you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Sampaio Chavez Revivi. Whoa. It's just your company. Why should you know the name of it? (laughs) Oh, whoa. I've never done that before. Of Chavez Ravine Fiend. And with me is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, we've been together the whole week so far. It's been a good week for the Dodgers and for us. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, Things that baseball are going great. So, uh, you know, yeah, Dodgers are are playing well. So I'm happy because I am entirely dependent on the Dodgers for my happiness. As as am I. Uh, Yeah, Dodgers put it on the Marlins again. Clayton Kershaw stood out. Edwin Rios hit two home runs. So we'll talk about both of those guys. Uh, in the general scope of how the Dodgers have been dominating the past couple weeks, Jeff has some numbers that are very, 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 very good. Before we get into that, though, just a reminder to subscribe to the show, Locked On Dodgers, wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcasts, Locked On Dodgers. Also, support of Locked On Dodgers comes from Manscaped. Manscaped who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. That's some interesting grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's fun to say. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, manscaped.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, let's get into... Some Clayton Kershaw talk. I know your your favorite type of talk, and mine as well. It's a uh, Clayton Kershaw. He started off hot, struck out eight of the nine, eight of the first nine hitters. Finished with ten strikeouts and seven shutout innings. So not too shabby. The second time he struck out double digits against the Marlins in the last month or so. Jeff, what? I mean, we we've talked about Kershaw pretty much every time the last few times, but you know, let's keep talking about him. Yeah, it, it was kind of awesome that, you know, you could tell the Marlins started figuring him out later in the game because they started putting the bat on the ball and making weak contact instead of just striking out. And that's a good situation to be in where the uh, the version of you that they figured out is the one that they just hit weak grounders to. Um, yeah, Kershaw's slider looked unbelievable on, on what day is it? Wednesday? Um, it was... It, I don't know if you saw the the gift that uh, Rob Friedman, is that his name? Pitching yeah. Ninja, that he tweeted out. It was an overlay of Kershaw's fastball and his slider. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Kershaw's fastball isn't what it used to be. But, uh, you know, when you, when you hear about tunneling, you watch that gift, and that's what tunneling is because that pitch, his arm looks exactly the same. The release point is exactly the same. The ball looks exactly the same for the first 20 or 30 feet. And then it just separates. And, you know, it's hard enough to 
to guess whether or not to swing when you have 60 feet, six inches to figure it out. When you've got 30 or 40 feet, it's just that much harder. And so they just have to guess because you cannot tell from Kershaw's delivery, which pitch he's throwing. Uh, and, and so, and when the, the slider has as much depth, one of the issues he's had last year and some of this year is that the slider just didn't have the depth. It wasn't distinct enough from the fastball. So even if uh, if people guessed wrong, now that the, the velocities on the pitches are, are really close to the same, people could guess wrong and still put the bat on the ball. But with that slider, the way it was working on Wednesday, if you guess wrong, there's no way you're hitting it. And even if you guess right, you're not going to hit the ball very hard because that pitch is just almost unhittable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about it. When his slider is working, and it's been working a lot more recently than, than it was earlier in the year, a lot less mistakes have been happening. A lot less home runs that you know that we've noticed. He's he's been pitching. It's pretty much the same seven. He's gone at least six innings every start this year, mostly seven for the most part. So yeah, I mean Kershaw is doing what he has to do with, like I said, like we're, like we've said with diminished velocity. <laughs> and then I just want to point out, I think it was funny how ESPN tweeted out something about Kershaw was throwing heat. And not one of the pitches in that sequence went over 90, and there was only one pitch that went 90. So you know, you, there whoever's at ESPN, you know, he pitched well, but he did wasn't throwing heat. Yeah, uh, uh, it's almost you know, it's one of those terms that just gets tossed around. Like uh, drives me crazy when people say a, a hitter got beamed. Like when he gets hit in the hip, they say he beamed him in the hip. No, getting beamed means you get hit, hit in the head. The bean is the head. So, yeah, it's kind of a catch-all. Oh, he struck out a lot of guys. He's throwing heat. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he's throwing harder than I can, throwing harder than 99% of the people in, in the country can. But, uh, yeah, by Clayton Kershaw standards, it was definitely the the bendy pitch that was more important than the heaty pitch. Yeah. Uh, I think All it's right. important to point out that after Wednesday's game, Clayton Kershaw's ERA for the season now sits at 263, which is uh, most importantly – 0.10 lower than the best ERA of Madison Bumgarner's career. So washed up, diminished Kershaw is still better than Madison Bumgarner at his best. So, uh, you know, that's I think that's the most important thing, probably. Yeah, I mean, there's could be thing, maybe a few things above it, but not too many. Yeah. All right, so Clayton Kershaw is good, like we've been talking about, and the Dodgers starting pitching has been good. Jeff, how good have they been? Well, Vince, I'm glad you asked because I actually have something prepared for this. What a coincidence. Wow. Um, so last Sunday, uh, I think, so like 10 days ago, Kenta Maeda against the Padres had a clunker, gave up five runs in like two and two-thirds innings. Uh, Dodgers ended up winning that game 11-10. to 10. Uh, But – since that game, the Dodgers starting pitching has an ERA of 0.53. They're averaging less than one earned run, less than half an earned run, or right around half an earned run allowed per nine innings. Uh, even including Kenta's clunker, in the last 13 games, the, the starter's ERA is 152. Uh, it's ridiculously good and for the most part they're going really deep uh, you have the three starts by Dustin May in there that were only five and two-thirds innings 
and you have Maeda's clunker of two and two thirds, everything else is six, seven, nine innings. You know, you have Bueller's complete game in there, uh, just dominant the last couple of weeks. In the last uh, in the last 14 games, the Dodgers have won uh, 12 of those. They're 12 and two, and they've allowed a total of 33 runs in those 14 games. That's 2.4-ish per game. Uh, and that's including this bullpen that, you know, everybody thought needed to be upgraded. And obviously, you know, we're in that group too. And not saying we're totally comf- comfortable with the bullpen where it sits right now in October. Uh, but the fact is the last few weeks, the entire pitching staff has just been dominant. Yeah. And and, we, and we've seen it. They went, what, nine and eight and two on the homestand and already won the first two on this road trip. So winning is fun. And especially when you're getting contributions from your pitching staff. All right. That'll do it for the first half. We'll come back in the second half of the show to talk a little bit about Edwin Rios and the offense that combines with the pitching that we talked about for this recent stretch. But before we do that, if you need a football podcast, not football, but football, American football, Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows of any podcast. With the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and host Brian Peacock, Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL, subscribe to Locked On NFL on your favorite podcast provider, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and it is time for the Obscure Dodger of the Day. And today's choice for me became because I don't know why or where I saw his name, and I was like, whoa, that guy's still in the major leagues? And he is, and he's uh, been on two teams this year, and that guy is Matt McGill. Matt McGill was the Dodgers' 31st-round pick in the 2008 draft. Wow. He was, so he picked in 2008. He made his debut in 2013 with the Dodgers. He had six starts. Had a 6.51 ERA, uh, yeah, not that great. He ended up not making it back to the big leagues again till 2016 with the Reds, and then another year, not, no major leagues in 2017. Back in 2018 with the Twins, and then this year he's been with the Twins and the Mariners. He has a career ERA of 4.67, which not terrible, better than it was with the Dodgers as a rookie. Um, yeah, I don't have much. I remember him in back in 2013 making some starts, some spot starts. He didn't have quite the the little, you know, known. Well, the other guys that had like little spurts. He was no were, Stephen Fife, is what you're saying. Yes, that's who I was looking for, Stephen Fife. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, no Stephen Fife, but uh, yeah, he he served a purpose on that 2013 team, and surprise, and 10 years later he's still in the big league. So, uh, gotta give him props for that. Yeah, I happened to think about Matt McGill last week uh, when I was down in California. And for whatever reason, I was watching a Mariners-Padres game and McGill was pitching. And uh, I remembered that McGill is who the Dodgers traded to the Reds for Chris Heisey. And Chris Heisey has a soft spot, soft spot in my heart for a few reasons. Uh, one is that he hit, uh, was it a Grand Slam? 
that saved Kershaw's bacon. Uh, yes. And Kershaw was, it was late in that season, 2000, what was it, 14 probably? He was with them 2015. 15. Um, anyway, uh, he had a grand slam that saved Kershaw's bacon. It was a day game. Uh, I remember that. And also, the actually, the day that you and I met, Vince, in 2015 in spring training, when we were both standing there on the field on the on the Dodgers practice field in, in Glendale behind the batting cage and uh, Chris Heisey and Jock Peterson were having a conversation and Jock could not, would not believe Heisey when Heisey told him that he had once hit three home runs in a major league game in one game. And uh, I got a good article about that. I wrote about some of the least likely three homer games in history. Uh, but that was funny that, that Jock just wouldn't believe that same day. Jock also was incredulous talking to Mark McGuire about how many home runs they used to hit and, and seemed totally unaware of how those home runs were hit and why they were hit. So that was funny. And then the third reason that Chris Heisey is, is notable to me is because uh, my brother has Chris Heisey's autograph on his glove. And it's also, he's just referred to his glove the last few years as the Chris Heisey glove. Um, but just recently, Russ Stripling and Matt Beatty both joined uh, Chris Heisey on my brother's glove. And he and I have a bet going for which of those three players is most likely to make the Hall of Fame, Heisey, Stripling, or Beatty. Uh, so now, uh, until one of them makes the Hall of Fame, it's still going to be the Chris Heisey glove. So anyway, that's why Matt McGill stands out to me, because he's connected to Chris Heisey. There you go. Now we got Chris Heisey out of the way for a future uh, obscure Dodger. Oh, yeah. I guess I can't use him now. Yeah. All right. So Edwin Rios hit his first career home run in yesterday's game and then followed up with his second career home run yesterday's game and got us to thinking about not just the offense as a whole, but kind of, you know, the way the Dodgers have been able to call up guys and, and have success. You know, small sample size, 26 at bats, but Edwin Rios sitting 346 with a 1.2 over 1.2 OPS. You know, Kyle Garlic's on the roster right now, and, and Jeff's on the record as saying he's not a major league hitter, which is probably true. But even for all that, in 42 at bats, he's, he's contributed a 741 OPS, which isn't completely terrible. And then, you know, other guys, Matt Beatty, we've seen, the grown who they got from the Mariners, we've seen. You know, the, the Dodgers continue to get guys that produce and, you know, it's a little, probably a little bit of a combination of luck, but it's also a lot of player development for the guys that do come through their system. So it's just nice to see that. And, you know, hopefully teams, other teams start noticing that, you know, you don't always need to have the top, top, top prospects. If you want to trade us your relievers, you can take some of these other guys and they're going to produce. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think what I said is that garlic is overmatched by major league pitching. Uh, yeah. And so, I have no problem with him being a major league player, uh, just probably not on a team that plans on winning the World Series this year. Um, but yeah, you you have a guy like Rios who, in addition to his homers, his walk was really impressive because he fouled off, what, six or seven pitches before he finally took ball four. Uh, that was a great at bat. Um, had a base hit plus the two homers and the walk. Uh, and, and yeah, and then you've got, you have DJ Peters and Gavin Lux in AAA who both of them, could be if they had been on the Dodgers all year this year, they would have hit 30 homers in the big leagues probably. I mean, the the Dodgers' depth is ridiculous, and and yeah, you do have guys like Rios. It's hard to picture him having a spot as a starter for the Dodgers going forward. 
I'm not sure where he, you know, I, they're not really in need of a first baseman. They have, they already have one first baseman playing the outfield and another one playing second base just to make room for, for other guys. So I don't know if Rios long-term has a spot on the Dodgers. So he might be some good trade bait in the off season. Uh, you know, a guy like garlic, even unfortunately, Matt Beatty, I, I love that dude. He might be a guy that, yeah, like you're saying, when the Dodgers are looking to upgrade their, their roster through trades, they have a lot of guys who could help major league teams right now and, uh, and could really bring back some good quality. Um, and yeah, it's just crazy that it's almost like a never ending supply. Oh, Tyler white went down. Okay. Let's call up a guy who's twice as good as him or 10 times as good as him in the case of Tyler white and Edwin Rios, I guess. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's not fair. Uh, if I didn't love the Dodgers, I'd be pretty mad that they, uh, just seem to be able to just pull these guys out of a hat whenever they want to. Yeah. All right, so one quick note, and then Jeff has uh, more stats for us about this, the Dodgers recently. Uh, Bill Plunkett tweeted, per the Dodgers PR team, that after the game or during the game uh, against the Marlins, it was the ninth time in franchise history the Dodgers have hit 10 or more home runs in a three-game series. The record is 12 back in 2002, and they still have a whole game left. So it, it's very possible that the Dodgers could break that record. Uh, but, you know, it also just highlights how the Dodgers have been hitting recently and how they've, you know, how, why they've been winning. Yes, they've been not allowing runs, but they've also been putting up runs in bunches. And we love it. And I, I, I don't know if we said it on air or off air, talking about how I missed the home run sculpture. But I hope the Dodgers hit a lot of home runs, and they've been doing it. So thank you, Dodgers, for doing uh, doing what I asked for. All right, Jeff, more more stats from, from Jeff Snyder. Lay it on us. Yeah, in that same 14-game stretch that they've only allowed 33 runs, they've scored 91 runs, which is an average of 6.5 per game. So in the last 14 games, uh, they are outscoring the opponent 6.5 to 2.4, basically. Uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good recipe for winning games. Uh, their run differential in the last 14 games is 58. Uh, there are 10 teams in the National League right now that don't have that good a run differential for the whole season, and the Dodgers have that in the last two weeks. Um, basically, the Dodgers, the last two weeks, the Nationals' overall run differential this year is 60, plus 60. Dodgers are plus 58 in the last 14 games. The Braves, who people are talking about you know, challenging the Dodgers, their overall run differential is plus 66. So just slightly better than the Dodgers over the last two weeks. The Cardinals and Cubs, who are tied at the top of the of the National League Central. Cardinals, run differential, plus 24. Cubs, plus 65. Uh, you know, and in the National League West, the Diamondbacks are the only team with a better run differential for the whole season than what the Dodgers have in the last two weeks. Of course, the Diamondbacks' run differential would be better if they didn't have to play the Dodgers so much and keep getting their butts kicked. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just everything is clicking. Well, and actually, that's the funny thing. Not everything is clicking. Like, you know, it's not like everybody's hot. Cody Bellinger's not hot right now. Their best hitter is slumping right now, and they're out, they've outscored their opponents by 58 runs in the last two weeks. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Justin Turner is hot. Corey Seager seems like he's coming out of it. Jock Peterson was looking good. He's looked really bad these first two games against the Marlins. Um 
but I mean, it's just, if everybody got hot at the same time on this team, like I could picture the Dodgers, if everybody got hot and this isn't a prediction, this is, I recognize this is unrealistic. It's not how baseball works, but if everybody got hot at the right time in October, no matter who they're playing, I could picture the Dodgers sweeping the world series and winning each game 10 to two. Like it wouldn't even be close. Um, obviously that's not going to happen. They're, they're going to sweep, but it's going to be like nine to four each game. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, the Dodgers are ridiculously good. That's my point. Yeah. I will echo that point. All right. Uh, Jeff, you got anything else for us before we head out? Uh, not that I can think of it's, it's, uh, you know, one more game against the Marlins, uh, Walker Bueller, (laughs) who, you know, this Marlins team Seems like a recipe for Bueller to, to challenge, you know, that 20 strikeout mark. Um, you know, again, that's not a prediction. He's only going to have 18 strikeouts, but, uh, it, it's, I, I am really excited for Thursday's game with Bueller going up against this Marlins team. Yeah. Same. I remember I was there when he pitched against the Marlins at Dodge stadium. I kind of went in expecting, you know, at least five or six, no hit innings. And then we get interesting. I think he went, I think he gave one up early, but he had a lot of strikeouts. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but thank you for listening to Locked On Dodgers. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Bueller's 18 to 20 game and 18 to 20 strikeout performance, and see if they break the record for home runs in a three game series. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts: Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Even if you don't prefer to listen on Apple. If you could subscribe, if you have the app, the app's already on your phone, uh, we would appreciate it because, you know, Apple controls a lot of the things. So, you know, listen on Apple. Or you don't have to listen, but subscribe at least. Uh, if you like the show, then you have to show us. One of the ways is subscribing, like I just mentioned. You can tell your friends, tell your family, tell any Dodger fans. Uh, you know, throw us a shout-out on social media, which is at Locked on Dodgers on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you know, we can only do so much. You guys can help us out by spreading the word. Uh, another way you can help us out is by rating and reviewing in iTunes or any podcast app you use. Uh, but for the most part, Apple and iTunes is where the ratings and reviews hold a lot more weight. Uh, while I told you our Twitter and Instagram already locked on Dodgers, you can follow Jeff at Snydog. You can follow me at Vince Samperio. Uh, we do have a voicemail you can call and, and leave us a message and we can play it on the show if you ever want to hear your own voice instead of ours all the time. Uh, that number you can call is 323-863-LOCK, 323-863-LOCK. We're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast lock on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you D- later. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles Our Los Angeles Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye!